Right. I don't think I've had entirely enough sympathy from the listeners to carry on a theme that we had two week two weeks ago. I was ill the week before last. I did my time for the next like two months at least. But I am fucking sick again. I mentioned it on Jimquisition on Monday. I think it's some sort of mouth or throat infection. Sore as fuck under the tongue. I had a pounding headache yesterday that thankfully is mostly cleared up. Feel had a look in my gob. Not to get too detailed, listeners, but, you know, blistery stuff. Conrad, as a trained medical doctor, uh, well, he's <laughs> at least got a PhD from um, Road Rules University, founded by Jonathan Holmes' PhD. He reckons it's strep. I'm inclined to agree. I want to give you sympathy, you know, you do deserve sympathy, because obviously you deserve all the sympathy, of but, but, what's more important than sympathy is perhaps puns. Uh-huh. So, how, how, how does it feel being James Streppany Sterling? Hmm. You, you thing of beauty, you. <laughs> that is, I am always one, despite... Despite it being a joke about my pain, I am always one for a good medical pun. I'm one for a pun in general. I I enjoy puns. I'm glad that has has outweighed the fact that I took a moment away from, you know, giving you sympathy. (laughs) Oh, worth it. Fucking worth it. Um, Puns get a bad rap. They do. Right? Like, not vanilla ice bad rap, but they get a bad rap. People who get upset about puns are just jealous because they didn't think of the pun before you said yes. it. That's all it is. Yes. I've always been fascinated by the human reaction to puns. Because even though I really like them, I still sometimes have a knee-jerk, almost instinctive reaction to groan at them. Mm-hmm. Even though I like them. I don't begrudge you that res- response. As someone that loves to give a, a bad pun... I enjoy nothing more than when I do a pun and someone groans. I'm like, yes, I I forced the the disgust reaction out of you, even if you enjoyed it. That's a good pun. Absolutely. You know, I, I love wordplay. I consider myself quite skilled at portmanteaus. Yeah. Sometimes um, the body just has to physically reject a pun. It's like, I can't handle this right now. Oh, yeah. Speaking of physical rejection, not, not to go into too much detail for the listeners, um, but if I disappear... For uh, notable periods of time today, it's because I've gone off to shit my guts out, not to put too fine a point on it, for an unrelated reason, Um, because I'm a a chronic pain sufferer, uh, I spend sort of considerable periods uh, on pain medication, which solidifies things. And I've been off them for a couple of days, and, and it turns out it doesn't... It doesn't go away. No? It lies in wait. <laughs> like like an ambush predator. So if I disappear, it's it's because I'm I'm having a different type of worse time to the one I'm having now. Um How's everybody else? I am back ish. <laughs> my uh my computer and and I don't think we mentioned it on, on last week's episode. And I want to apologize to everyone who tried to listen to last week's episode and only got 20 minutes of it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I might be able to fix that. Seems pointless now, but I, I might be able to figure it. Anyway, I, I, my computer on uh, Monday last week just shit the bed entirely. And, you know, part of this is my fault for not having figured out what the problem was a long time ago. And, and so, but my, uh, uh, long story short, I fucked my motherboard. Had I'm so glad you followed that quickly with board. Because <laughs> my brain instantly went, oh dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Oh good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so oh, and last week I've replaced a power supply, um, a processor, and a motherboard. And the problem's actually the video card. By the way, oh, I, na- wow. I have now figured out that the problem is the video card because my problem still exists and I've ship of Theseus to this fucking thing now. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, I've got another video card coming and hopefully this will finally mean I'm done fixing this goddamn machine. Um, but now 
this morning, I wake up to Windows 11. Because Windows 10 was being real aggressive about forcing me to update to Windows 11. I just said, fuck it, and I did it. And now I don't recognize a goddamn thing. This is horrible. Who lives like this? Did you know? You live like this now. Yeah, now I live like this. There are no labels on any of the buttons on the taskbar. No, there aren't. (laughs) I maintain four browser windows at any given time just to stay fucking organized. Mm. Now I gotta hover over the taskbar icon so that it can show me all the windows and I can select the one I want. Oh, no. No, no, this ain't gonna work. I am frantically searching the internet for modifications I can make to Windows. I've got OpenShell installed, which theoretically fixes the start menu. But I I actually liked the Windows 10 start menu. I thought it was pretty practical. Uh, The Windows 11 one is dog shit, but now I'm using one that's based on Windows 7. Uh, My shit's all over the place. Kind of like Steph's in a few minutes, actually. <laughs> uh, it's been a week. It's It's been a real week. How are you, Laura? Well, my week was me agreeing to do some international travel for work. And in the time between agreeing and like signing the paperwork and being time to book my flights and accommodation, uh, the city of Cologne decided that £400 a night is now the minimum anywhere we'll take for a hotel. I eventually found a solution, but it has not been a restful few days. It has been like, oh yeah, I'll do the maths. This is a, this is a reasonable work trip for me to do. Oh, I oh I'm I'm gonna make a loss for going to do work. That's not ideal. Mm-mm. It's fine now. It's fine. I've turned it around. Yeah, was not looking like enjoying the thought of paying like thirteen hundred pound for like three nights of hotel. Like, no. A four mile walk away from where I needed to be. Not tickling any Google spot that one. No, no, I'm not, not happy clean. with that. No, I got, I got it under control. I, I just about have my life in control. I think, kinda. Woo. It is. But this, this is in control. It's position. It we talk is. about video games and stuff. Mm. Look at us go. I want to talk about a video game I played this this week because mm-hmm. I had a fucking experience. Um, so I, I. Here's how here's how last week went with Polquisition. We recorded Polquisition a day early, because I got invited to a thing for a preview event for Vampire Survivors' co-op mode. And to be clear here, I am talking uh, today about the... I will talk about the co-op mode as I saw it at the preview event, because I can do that. I cannot talk about any review thoughts. Um, but before I even talk about that fucking thing, I get to this, this co-op event, and... Someone pulls me over as I'm entering and goes, Hey, Laura, come find me when there's 20 minutes left of this event. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm not going to give you any fucking context. Just come find me like 20 minutes before the end. Don't worry about it. So I do. And um, I get plonked in front of a computer that has Vampire Survivors Director's Cut spelt with an E at the end of directors because that's a character in Vampire Survivors. <laughs> um, and given no context other than what is here might or might not someday be publicly playable, who knows, we don't know, uh, here you go. And as I understand it, no one else was told this was here or shown it. And I was allowed to video it, and I did, and that sure is a fuck ton of Vampire Survivors content that is in there. I I ran around as a little space dude with a little cartoon laser gun. I was a egg with a a galaxy sort of swirling in my stomach, wearing a top hat and angel wings. A lot of stuff happened. I was on I was on the moon, and there were little space bunny rabbits with little wooden hammers, which I've since learnt is a reference to a Japanese myth about. You know how in some countries we talk about like seeing the man in the moon? Yeah. Apparently Japan sees the, the bunny in the moon that pounds mochi, and that's what the craters on the moon are. I was fighting enemies that were space bunnies with mochi hammers, I guess. Um, and then they were just like, yeah, we will not answer any questions about what you've seen. No, no one else has seen it. If anyone asks us about it, we will refuse to comment that, that it, it happened. Fun. Off you go. <laughs> I should uh, add that um, I know nothing about this. 
because whenever something vampire survivors related happens now um people ask if i know about it or if i'm involved uh no um as interested as i would be in an actual job with pencil i think um i am a freelancer who was brought in to do the best URI for the base game and the D the second DLC, and that is currently the sum total of my involvement. Um, so I don't know anything about this director's cut, which did look very fucking interesting. Yeah, I I've been like pouring over the footage in hindsight because like a run of Vampire Survivors is like typically half an hour. It turns out the level I was on was like ten minutes before Red Death showed up, but like you you can understand why I like took a second to go oh shit how do i how do i with 20 minutes take in a bunch of new content um a lot of what was in there seemed to be like um a lot of it was like characters for the in the dlc you can evolve their weapon uh like dlc characters weapon evolutions will temporarily turn them into like a different form of that character and this seemed to be a lot of like starting as some of those but some of them had, like, weird implications, like, the Santa water that I'd always assumed was just, like, holy water. Santa was a character in this director's cut, which seems to imply that it's not holy water, it's water that just fucking Santa Claus is throwing around, and I'm not sure what that means. Um, I had a very strange couple of days of people going, like, are you... Oh, I had I had the thing that occasionally happens to me where I will talk about a thing that is a real thing and people will just accuse me of having made it up as if I coded a fake Vampire Survivors director's cut and brought a computer to this co-op event and stuck it down there and played it to pretend it existed. I was it was a lot and confusing. Okay, but um, you but will I'm... also spend a tremendous amount of time and effort hunting shiny Pokémon. So I'm starting to see where this conspiracy theory might have come from maybe maybe but like the because the thing with this conspiracy for this for people to believe this conspiracy is you have to believe that i was in a headspace where i was like yeah i'll claim that there's a director's cut of vampire survivors and the developers won't at any point debunk my story they won't say (laughs) no it's fake we didn't fucking show you that what the fuck are you on about In, in fairness they have not no, they've 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 no commented. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, you see. no comment is very different from no. This isn't real. What the fuck are you on about? <laughs> so yeah, that maybe exists. Uh, there's a werewolf fisherman that throws fish at people. That was pretty fun. There's a level that supposedly supports three hundred chicken co op. The the level level has coop in the name, which I think is a reference to co op. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, um, I like that. But. What I did see was, the, I can talk more about the co-op, because I did play, like, an hour and a half of the co-op. I really dug what I saw of the co-op there. I, I thought there were some really smart decisions made about it, and uh, I'll, you know, next week be able to talk about it, you know, once once I've played more of it. But the Vampire Survivors co-op does a really good job, uh, from what I saw at the preview event, of balancing difficulty with, with varying player counts to keep the game... About as chaotic and about as difficult as it is in single player and not fucking around with that too much. The core of it is that, you know, in like single player basic vampire survivors, you get six weapons and six accessories you can equip as standard. Um, If you're doing two player, you get, uh, what is it, uh, four each for a total of eight, three player, three each for a total of nine, four player, two each for a total of eight. So in all of the multiplayer player accounts, you technically have more weapons and accessories as a collective group than a single player player would. But as individual people in that multiplayer, you are weaker than a single player character would be. And the higher that player count goes, the weaker by comparison each of you individually is. And what that does is it forces you to really stick together. The thing that kind of takes some like didn't quite click with me initially and it took me some sitting on it to put together was there is a lot of like moving around in whatever position like works best in the moment that you do in vampire survivors it's a lot of instinctual ah see i see a gap i can maybe get away from from enemies there and picking a direction and as soon as you are tethered to each other 
um, metaphorically by like, we're only strong if we stick together, you suddenly realize how hard it is to coordinate a group to do that same kind of ducking and weaving. And that introduces challenge of its own. And it does a really good job of keeping that challenge there. I think if anything, co-op is a little more difficult than single player because of it. But I like a lot of the choices they've made about like how to handle uh, leveling and stuff. Each time you level up, it takes turns in player number order to level up one of you. So player one gets the first level up, player two gets the second up, player three, third, you know, going round in circuits. Which means that, like, as an individual person, it is harder to get to the point where you can level up uh, and evolve a weapon, which also sort of balances the fact you've got more weapons between you as a party. There is an item that now comes up that is, like, a pretty frequent occurrence called the Friendship Amulet that gives every player in the party a level up to one of their weapons, which is always worth going for if you see it particularly in like three or four player, because it's giving you like three or four uh, level ups for one level up. But it's also only leveling up the weapons, which again helps because you're trying to get those weapons leveled up enough that you can evolve them. There's a lot of little choices like this that I think are really smart and do a good job of like making this feel like a collaborative experience you are a little bit tied to each other just from the fact that, like, there's a few things that favour player one. Player one is ultimately who the character, uh, the camera follows around, so you can't stray too far from whoever's player one. Um, but generally speaking, it seems really geared around everyone gets a fair share of what's going on. Even things like treasure chests, it's not who touches the treasure chest that gets the upgrade, it spins a random roulette when someone touches the chest, someone gets a reward. I also really like what they've done with um, revivals, which is that if one player of the party get, uh, runs out of HP, they go into a coffin, and after a certain amount of time, little meter fills up, they pop back up out the coffin. I like that quite a lot. Right? Uh, and there's no set amount of times you can do that. It's not like taking up a resource. The only losing condition is, are all of you in coffins at the same time? I also really like that the further you get into a run, the quicker the coffin meter refills. So early in a run, if you run out of health, you will be gone for quite a while. Late in a run, it will be considerably shorter that you have to survive a person down. Again, all of these choices just feel really balanced really well. I really like a lot of what they're doing, and I'm excited to like play through a save file from the start in co-op and see how that, in, in review setting, like... Whether that works as, like, a way for someone to play Vampire Survivors for the first time, because I jumped uh, at this preview event into sort of an existing file with people that already, like, had had leveled stuff up. But, yeah, surprisingly, surprisingly competent. Like, there was a lot of really smart decisions made to keep the core feeling of a Vampire Survivors run intact in higher player counts. So, yeah, Mm. that's pretty neat. Very neat. That sounds good. It feels like a natural point to move into a game I played as uh, in the same genre. Oh uh, yes, I know what you're you're heading yeah. over to. Uh, first of all, I just I I don't need to go over it again. But I finished Clash uh, Artifacts of Chaos, and the ending made me do a little cry. Um, one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, visually in terms of soundtrack uh, and in terms of writing, just fucking beautiful. Couldn't recommend it enough if you have ever liked the Xenoclash games or just strange games or just want a really nice story-driven, very complete game. But they added New Game Plus 2, and I'm really annoyed I'm ill because I want it, I'm, I desperately want to stream the whole game in New mm-hmm. Game Plus. So I've just sat here wanting to play New Game Plus because I did not want to leave those characters or that world. Um, I had to keep it on the back burner. But in the meantime, I've been playing Halls of Torment, which is a survive map, a vampire survivor style game, but heavily, heavily, heavily inspired by the original Diablo games, like like the first one um, specifically. Mm. So visually and in terms of how the characters move, in terms of how uh, the character models look, the aesthetic style, the environment, it's straight up. Diablo. It it is to Diablo aesthetically what Nightmare of Decay was to Resident Evil uh, mechanically. Uh, not hiding it. 
not hiding it at all. It's actually really benefited from that right now because of the amount of backlash there's been to Diablo 4 for various reasons. Specifically because Activision Blizzard couldn't help Activision Blizzarding it. Uh, so a lot of people glommed onto Halls of Torment for that. It's tough, but I'm not sure if that's because I've played Vampire Survivors with so many unlocks for so long. And played stuff like uh, Spirit... Oh, what, what was it? The Spirit something. Spirit Hunters, I think it's called. Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. I've played some fairly easy ones. This one is a toughie. Enemies take quite a bit of punishment. And the weapons, while they're all interesting and cool, um, only a few of them are really super efficient. The starting weapons of, of many of the player classes are pretty good and worth investing in with like power-ups. Um, some of the unlockables, I've noticed, some of them are way more efficient than others. Um, like the one that just throws lots of little daggers um, randomly out the very big DPS on that whereas something like this this one that throws two little uh, razor blades either side of you if you can level it up and evolve it it's pretty good but it's a struggle until then with it but yeah it's it's addictive I, I've been quite sort of hooked on it it's it's been my sort of comforty thing while I've been fucking ill some cool unlocks I have beaten two of the bosses. I beat the boss on the first level and the boss on the third. But the early game is really tough because from the second level onwards, your DPS is dog shit compared to what the enemy like what the basic starter enemies can soak and it's kind of unsatisfying. And you can get to a point where where sweeping through enemy hordes uh, does get that sort of satisfaction factor that you want from these sorts of games that you want to eventually get to um but it's a heck of a thing to get to it and the mm. bosses are fucking grueling as are some of the sub bosses that crop up just the health on them is is it's real uh, uh bullet sponge kind of stuff um i couldn't believe the the first the boss of the first uh, level um it shows up and it's dealing massive damage you take so much damage um and it took forever to take all its health down and then it had a fucking second form i could not fucking believe it did eventually beat that one and the third one thankfully doesn't have a second form otherwise i would not have beaten it um but I'm really into it. The character classes are cool. You start with a sort of warrior character who just has a very short range melee attack, which isn't very good. Uh, the moment I unlocked the archer, I, I moved straight to her um, because she shoots out two arrows at a time and with upgrades can shoot more. And she already starts at a decent clip before you get attack speed upgrades to sort of lower the cooldown on it. On it. Um so I've played most of the game as her, but I've unlocked some of the more interesting um, classes now. Um, I unlocked the Cleric, which sort, sort of just does a, a radial attack intermittently, and I think has like better health regen and stuff like that. The Exterminator is awesome. Didn't know about that until I saw uh, Casey Explosion singing this game's praises. Uh, fella in a plague mask, so obviously awesome, and has a flamethrower. Once you unlock them, like... So far in my experience, they've had the best odds of making it through a run. I did also, shortly before I was, I put it down for a bit, unlock the Sorceress, which I've not tried, and the Shield Maiden which bashes her shield to sort of throw things out in a cone. Upgrading her weapon because it's a big shield also upgrades uh, your block strength, um, which is, I'm not sure how important that stat is in this game, but it feels like it is, um, just because damage is so hard to uh, um, avoid sometimes. Um, and that's an interest, because I've not seen it in a Survivor's game before, where the higher your block strength is, the better your chances of just ignoring damage mm. so that's pretty cool uh the closest is probably the the laurel in vampire survivors which is more of a timed thing rather than a chance thing but the stats are cool what i like about the upgrades is 
as as tough as the game is, the upgrades are not as incremental as they are in other games where you're usually dealing with like oh, you've got like a 3% upgrade on your cooldown and stuff like that. Whereas this is like, yeah, your basic attack upgrades are always 10%. Your attack speeds um, are similar. I think you can get like 20% on some of your starter weapons. Um, so the upgrades are real significant. So you, uh, I think 5% is the lowest on any of them and they could go up to stuff like 25% or if you've got some equipable gear, uh, you can go up to like 40 or some of the ones that have some conditions can be like 50 or even 60. So some real significant, like you really feel the changes straight away. Um, so I like that. I also like the, uh, fact that like a, um, sort of dungeon crawler hack and slash like Diablo, you can equip armor. When you defeat sub-bosses, they'll drop, like, helmets or boots or gloves or, or body armor or rings. And you can upgrade those. And once you rescue the um, well keeper or whatever his name is, uh, there's a well on every map. And you can go over to it and you can send one piece of gear per run up to the Between Mission hub. And then buy it from the well keeper and you can then permanently equip it for future runs. I really like that. It's it's fun when you've uh, got a full suite of gear and some of it's not not just uh, stat upgrades. You've got some interesting things too, like a ring that makes uh, sticky puddles appear after you, where you walk like like creep that slows enemies down, or one that summons like a skeleton that will fight and evolve alongside you, um, or an imp uh, that attacks for you. But there are just useful stat boost ones as well. I also unlocked another fella, some potion guy, that so far has given me a potion to re-roll once um, some upgrades. But you can find ingredients now in the map that uh, unlocks other potions that will sort of make things more available in, in a run. Yeah, I'm really liking it. It's in early access right now, but there's a lot to it. Hmm. I'm not quite sure what the what the extent of it is right now but i've been playing for a long time and i've not seemingly seen the end of it lots of achievements that on un that unlock upgrades or new attacks that you can uh, unlock during runs or classes or stuff like that and of course you've got permanent upgrades that you can buy with gold um just the your basic stat stuff so yeah it's got all the basics it's it's a it's a pretty challenging one, but very fun. So yeah, I'm. I'm it's it's one of those survivor games that are actually quite good um, and robust. So yeah, Halls of Torment. I can see why people are really into it. Uh, well, because I've gotten really into it, I guess. Yay! Uh, what about you, Conrad? What you've been playing this week? I played that Venba game that you talked about a couple weeks yeah. back. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's uh a bummer. I'm going to I'm going to go with bummer. I I thought it ended positively, but it sure is an emotional road to get there. I don't know if I would say positive. Ah, I I'm not positive. It hopeful maybe yeah. optimistic. It is a, an emotionally complicated game that you know, a lot, a lot of bumpy bumps along that road. As a straight white man in America, it feels like a game that is not for me, and yet somehow also important for me. Yeah, I can see that. It's hard for me to speak on, in a sense. I think it is complex. It made me think and feel a lot of things. Some of that frustration that I'm cooking all of these things... And I can't find a recipe book. They should publish a recipe book to accompany this. I That was my first thought upon finishing this game, is please tell me on the main menu I've unlocked a recipe book or something. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it it is too good of a game about, like, cooking really lovely looking food to not just let me look up those recipes at the end. Yeah, so I, that missed opportunity there, maybe, but... Um, as far as gameplay goes, it is so minimal and 
there's not that much of it, even within the context of the game only being like, you know, 30, 40 minutes to play. It works. And I, I liked sort of the, the puzzling out of where, you know, you're supposed to put things. It felt satisfying to figure out a next step in a process. But don't go in expecting complexity either in that. The complexity yeah. is in the narrative. As I said when talking about it the other week, the puzzles do not exist to prevent you progressing. They no. are not there to be a roadblock. They are there purely to reinforce that narrative thread of experimentation and trying to connect with something that you're missing some pieces of. Yep. Yep. It's thematically very cohesive. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I just wanted to bring it up again so that people who might not have played it might go play it. It's on Game Pass, which is where I mm. I wound up playing it. So if you have that, that's then it should be a no-brainer to just, you know, spend yeah. half an hour, 40 minutes and and check that out. It is it's really interesting. It's one of those things where now, now that we're like, a, you know, a couple of weeks away from it having released, like, to talk like a little more specifically about it, I don't know the last time I played a game that narratively made me go on as strong of a roller coaster of feelings about specific characters mm-hmm. and be as emotionally invested in if and when things were going to turn around as I was. There is a particular moment with a um a very large meal spread being prepared where I just wanted things to be okay. Mm, mm. And I was like again, that that scene without getting into more specifics, but you know what I'm talking about is a scene where I think the jumping forward in years at a time really works mm-hmm. because as I tried to sort of like vaguely talk about the other week the jumping forward in years gives you time to go, there's been enough time that maybe this character has come around. Mm-hmm. And those moments of playing with expectation and how that plays out, I think are like where the jumping around in time does work well narratively. It is a, it is a really interesting way of telling a story as long as you don't go in expecting a lot of gameplay. <laughs> One and I another aspect of that jumping forward in time is that it is both sparse and sufficient with the context clues that it provides you to fill in gaps of important things that yes. are not referenced at all in in conversation. Yeah, you see what I mean about like the subtle things about the jumps in time being what I think are the most interesting ways they storytell. The one that gets me, and I don't know if you noticed this, was um, the glasses with the tape on them mm-hmm. after a big mm-hmm. time jump. Like, noticing that and going, you didn't feel the need to, like, really hammer home that that element was there. Mm-hmm. It's little moments like that, I think this... this it, it trusts its audience well, and I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. It's really good storytelling in a yeah. game. And again, like 30 minutes. Like, it's really impressive how much ground it manages to cover and how much it manages to pack in narratively in a like that little time frame. It's why I said the other week it reminds me so much of... Uh, have you ever played Florence? Uh, I don't think I have. Florence is like 45 minutes long, and it is similarly like... Impressive in terms of how much story it tells. It is a completely wordless narrative Mm -hmm. that uses gameplay mechanics to reinforce its narrative themes. It's maybe 45 minutes long, and it is, for my money, maybe the best mobile game that's ever been released. I think it is a beautiful piece of artwork that this reminds me a lot of in terms of, like, we're just gonna get in, tell a story that uses gameplay to reinforce a story and get out and be done. I wish we had more of that in games. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, other things I played this week, the only other thing I really played uh, that I can talk about this week is 
So I've talked about what the golf before on here, that sort of silly mini game uh, uh, compilation about like it starts as you're doing mini golf and then it like does a lot of silly things with the mechanics. I've seen you play it on stream before on um, what was the the TV? Um... Oh, on um, uh, Stream Shuffle on on Jinx. Yes, Jinx. That was it. Yeah, yeah, Jinx TV. Um, yeah, thing I didn't know about that game is that every now and then apparently they they just periodic release uh, periodically release like standalone little half-hour chunks of extra content. And this is, like, the fifth time they've done one, and the only reason I knew about it is I saw game sites covering they'd added, like, an Among Us-themed, like, set of levels. And I went, and I was like, okay, how do I find this? Oh, there were four previous ones of this. There's, like, two hours of this game that's been added in free DLC other than this half-hour that I didn't know existed. So I went through and played that, and it was half an hour of new What the Golf content that was silly and just tied to among us enough to like they ha- they clearly had new gameplay ideas they they got inspiration from and it, it it worked well but yeah if if you've enjoyed what the golf and didn't know go look for the episodes menu there's like five half hour chunks of extra content they just keep adding stuff to it apparently so i don't have a huge amount to say about it other than i continue to think what the golf is a really fun creative si- silly little puzzle game and there's apparently more of it than I thought. What about you, Steph? You played anything else this week? I have started playing something else. Um, mm. I started playing it shortly before we recorded. Um, I've heard a lot about it. It's called My Friendly Neighbourhood. Um, yes. I was expecting another one of those horror games. Another one of those hide from a thing it it seems like it's going to be another one of those like we're trying to cash in on the fact that Five Nights at Freddy existed. Yeah. I, I I don't remember all of them. I know like Poppy's Playground is one of them that I never played. Like, that was the whole, one. But yeah, yeah. The, is is that the one? I know I know that mm-hmm. is one that exists. All of that it's stuff. Not, it's it's not another one of those though. I was not <laughs> expecting Bioshock. I was not, right? not expecting Bioshock with killer muppets. It's Bioshock with Killer Muppets yeah. and ragdoll animations. It's fucking great. So the premise is basically like, what What if you were on the set of Sesame Street, but the puppets were, like, had gone fucking unhinged? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm really pleased with it so far. I've put, like, I want to say, like, an hour or two into it. I didn't... I was hesitant to compare it to Bioshock at first, because... Something about it aesthetically and the, just the way the character moves feels like Bioshock, but I was cursing my own media illiteracy um, that I had to compare it to Bioshock because I had no other um, comparison. And I was like, somehow this is my fault uh, for only no, knowing it's... games. But then I picked up a wrench. Yeah, look, it, it's Bioshock and as you get a bit further into it, it's kind of like Resident Evil I was gonna 3 say. or 4. Yeah, well, I mean, Resident Evil 1, really. It's with the safe rooms and the ribbon system. Resident Evil 1, I would say, for, like, the the saving stuff and, like, some of that pacing and the, like, animations for the doors and that shit. But I say Resident Evil 3 mm. because, and, like, not to spoil too much, like, it starts to play around with stuff like, like, fucking big enemy that follows you and is persistently right, around shit. Yeah. Like, there is stuff from a few different Resident Evils it pulls from. There is definitely Bioshock to the way it plays. All done really well. Yeah, it doesn't feel out of place. No, not at all. Um, I like the little gimmick of um, if you've got duct tape, if you've uh, downed an enemy, you can tape them to the floor. Yes. Because if you leave a room and come back after a, a tiny bit, then they're back. But I love that if you tape them, they're still babbling incessantly. Yeah. Just and chatting shit. And it's so useful if you realise, like, there is one specific enemy type that keeps getting me. And being able to just just tie them up can be yeah. really useful. It's similar to how I use the eraser in The Binding of Isaac to go, I just don't want to deal with this problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it, it works well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really like the visuals. The, the, the puppet animations are like very Sesame Street, very Muppets, mm. um, which is, is cool. I really, I like the weird wobbly way they sort of wibble backwards and forwards, <laughs> like one of those inflatable guys at, at car dealerships. The, the big 
bird that's stomping around is <laughs> something about the visual design of that. I haven't seen what it does yet. I've just been in the the big sort of studio lot where yeah. it's wandering around. Um, that, that, non-hostile. that big bird's not too hard to avoid, thankfully. It, it it's introducing you to persistent enemy in a fairly easy to navigate way. It's not done anything, um, no. but I love the visual design of it. I love the colours and yeah. the 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 sort of lanky way. It's almost like those um, birds that yeah wear like pants and have a little stick yes. to move its head around. So I'm really liking it. The The puzzles are also very survival horror, very Resident Evil with like doors with shapes and finding keys with the shapes yeah. and all that kind of thing. But because it's a children's show, it's can you find the blue triangle or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the, uh, I don't know how sick of it I'm going to get the more I play, but right now I'm liking the, the incessant babble of the uh, the, the killer puppets. I like how they're just inanely chattering about like shapes and colours and numbers and things. And then it's a little bit more subtle than you'd expect. Like they're not just right. suddenly talking about like blood and guts, but it's yeah. like it'll just be like try to try separating your friend into different pieces and arranging them by colour and then right back <laughs> to like just in in inane stuff. This is one of my favourite things about this game, is that it shows a real good degree of restraint on how much of a slow burn it does. Yeah. And I think that helps the the puppet babble not get infuriating, mm-hmm. in that it is it is such a gradual, gentle build of just a little more a little more unsettling at a time. A mm-hmm. little more, a little less plausibly deniable. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the level of action that the 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 first weapon you get like after the 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 um, wrench the the first firearm you get is just really <laughs> really smart. It's just one of those like like ticker tape things or or like like it's almost like a pricing gun but it dispenses um like little uh post-it notes with letters on them and when they hit a puppet like a physical version of that letter just flies off them. I don't know if you've noticed, but my favourite thing about that gun is it has uh, a, an ammo capacity of 26, because that's how many letters there are in the alphabet. Oh, And every wonderful. time you shoot a letter, it shoots the next letter sequentially in the alphabet. I didn't notice that yet. No, oh, that it's is shooting wonderful. them in alphabetical order. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, little touches like that are, are really good. It's it's a fucking solid game. I've been playing it on Steam Deck and it runs fantastically on it. Yeah. I like the little bits of humour, like not just the babbling puppets, but like the sock puppet that turns oh. up. Yeah, the Arlo sock puppet. Yeah. I really like the, the vocal delivery on that. I've only seen it twice. Once once when you meet it at reception and then the time where you get the gun from it and just that moment where the protagonist is y- yanking it from his mouth while he's just sort of sarcastically apologetic for the killer puppets, just, oh, no, that won't do. Really good. It's it's yeah. really, really good so far. I see why people were, were going it's... on about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I th- It's better than... It, it's more high effort and less we had a joke idea and put out a minimum viable product to do the joke. Mm-hmm. Like, they clearly cared about making a good game. Yeah, and, and I'm just, you know, I downloaded it because I kept hearing about it, but I was not expecting the type of game it is. I really was getting, I thought it was going to be like a Poppy's Playtime or a, or a um, one of those also runs. Um, yeah. But no, just straight Bioshock on a on the set of of an in-universe Sesame Street with these just mad puppets yeah go play it everyone there is more of a legitimately great game here than you would expect absolutely really well done so yeah super impressed with that Uh, what about you comrade what you've been playing this week I started playing Tectonica this is a this is another one of those automation games um and a, a lot of people like describe satisfactory as like factorio in first person but satisfactory functions differently in its mechanics in some notable ways 
specifically with things like inserters. And this is getting like technical, but like when you're producing objects in Factorio, they have to be removed from whatever they're built in and put onto a conveyor belt uh, using objects called inserters. Satisfactory will let you just run the conveyor belt into the output of the item. That's that's the difference. It just adds a, another logistical layer. This is more in that style of having to have these additional layers of items that move objects from one conveyance to another. It's interesting. It also has like environmental destruction for, I guess, building areas. I'm only a tiny, tiny bit into it. But the other thing it has is narrative, which that's interesting because you don't generally see that in these types of games where there is a a story unfolding as you play along. And that's kind of neat. So I'm going to keep looking at this. I've, I've really only put a little bit of time in and and cleared a few objectives. But like, you know, it's it plays like a... St- story-driven game, and that's super weird. Um, And I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't think it's bad. I'm just intrigued. So I will will look more at that. Uh, The other thing, just real quick, that I did is I played... um, I played some Fall Guys, got back to that. They added a level creator, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I I guess, you know, I only ever do the standard loop of, of rounds. I'm not interested in any of their weird shows or themes or groupings. Just get, let me play the fucking game. But they have apparently mixed in some levels made by the dev team using the stage creator. And that's there's some interesting ideas present in that, and and it, it I assume it's easy to use because it all looks just sort of stuck together, and that's kind of neat. And they're fine additions; those those levels that they made, I haven't ventured into anybody else's stuff, and never will. But if you'd forgotten about Fall Guys, that's a thing, and it's there. Um, what's also there is just the looming sort of Damocles of monetization. Uh, just, just sprayed all over its face. Just, um, yeah, it's kind of a shame. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens when you, you sell to Epic, I guess. <sighs> so, yeah. Yeah, but that's it for me this week. In that case, we've got a couple of quick things to talk about, but we can we can wrap this up quick. We've even, I think we're probably about done. A um, couple of quick things. There was a fun little thing that Devolver did this week, and it was only like three minutes long, but I think it's worth mentioning. Devolver delayed Ed this week, which was like a Nintendo Direct-style presentation to talk about games that the company was delaying into 2024. It showed off like a dozen games in like three minutes, some of which were like, hey, we're just confirming this is still coming next year, but they very much pitched it as like, hey, don't be bummed out that like these games aren't coming this year, be excited that next year has more good games. And look, it's it's Devolver doing what they do, which is being self-aware and playing around with with sort of industry tropes, but like, I think there is a lot to be said for like, hey... Acknowledging the fact you got to delay a game and like just just being positive enough about it that like it seems like a good thing. It's funny because they're they're aping the visual style again of a Nintendo Direct, and here we actually have an example of a company genuinely being direct and saying, "Yeah, yeah. we're pushing these things back." No mealy-mouthed apologies about it. Um, No kowtowing. In fact, it was celebratory that these things were being pushed, as it should be. Look, the game, you're going to get the game. And you're going to get a better game if you just let them have however many more months that they need. 
yeah, the the game that they talked about, like that, I think really solidified like the mess the way they were messaging it was uh the the Plucky Squire, which is this game about like going between being a two D little knight in a picture book and then being three D and like exploring the room that the picture book's in, and the way they talked about it, they were like. Yeah, who who'd have thought that making a game that involves 2D and 3D would also need 4D, the fourth dimension, time. We need more time. That's quite a complicated thing to make. And it's like, yeah, have a bit of fun with it, but acknowledge, hey, we've got someone trying to create quite an ambitious thing that hasn't really been done before. They need more time to do it. We'll make a little joke. We're not going to make any apologies, though. We they They need more time to make the ambitious thing they're making. I was like, that's that's the right attitude to have. Yep, yep. And um, yeah, I, I just I think we should sort of normalize this. And not every company is capable of delivering this news the no. way Devolver does. Certainly, but I do think that we should be pointing out the reasons yeah. why these things are being delayed in in clear terms and. And if people have a problem with it, they ignore them and move on. And and we should be encouraging a sense of positivity about game delays because they. I, I don't want to be like they're just fucking games because everybody here and lots of other people their their financial security is dependent on things, but. It, Pushing a deadline out is the thing that satisfies investors who don't need it. The The developers, the people working on the project, they're the ones who need the time. And we get a better product and they get a better quality of life, hopefully. Uh, that's a win-fucking-win. Win. Why are we moaning when games are delayed? It's ridiculous. Hmm. Um... So the only other things we've got quickly, um, Microsoft is asking uh, the UK regulators, the CMA, to please, please, pretty please reverse your block of our acquisition, please, 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 please let us do it. If we ask really nicely, um, their reasoning is, um, hey, since you told us we couldn't do the deal... The, the F- FTC in the US said we could do it, and they they said we weren't a monopoly, so factor their decision in and maybe let us do it now, even though we haven't really changed much yet. Can we do it, please? And surprisingly, the CMA has been in no rush to go, you know what, because someone else disagreed with us, we will just drop our, our concerns about that. <laughs> Asking pretty please apparently was not enough to do yeah. it. How odd. Oh, yeah. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so that's it. It was a quiet news week. I think we can we can probably wrap up there. I think. Uh, I, think I just want to quickly it. say because I said that on Jimquisition, and commenters got angry because I didn't say that Baldur's Gate Three is doing really well, and and apparently I should have done a Jimquisition on it instead of. Sony you should have done a gym position on game came out as it is popular. Yeah, so I might do that on Monday just to do it. Because <laughs> um, I understand the frustration that some folks might have had where it's like you chose to talk about this game you've already talked about, which I was ill and hungover. <laughs> and mm. some of the long form videos I want to do need more research and um, time put into them. And I didn't see anything this week that I felt was news. Um, Baldur's Gate Larian's games are not the kind of games I play typically uh, because they're for clever people, like, who can think and organise. I've heard really positive things and I will probably at some point play it, but that (laughs) game feels like a huge fucking commitment. And this week was not a week where I was ready for a big commitment. But I think I'm going to try and play some this week because I understand that with Diablo 4 coming out, people are enjoying, very much like Halls of Torment, they're enjoying the contrast of success and the fact that you have a Larian game, which is always deep and rich in terms of gameplay and and lore and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Very feature-complete game, very involving and and deep and all of that. And it's doing really well without all of that monetization shit, which I know people like 
they like it when I talk about those examples. Um, so I just, I want to say, like, criticism noted. And I now know that Baldur's Gate does well. Local boy uh, comes out good uh, kind of thing. Uh, I understand that is news now. Um, <laughs> and it's news that you want to hear about even though you know about it. Um, That's the deep, insightful industry happening that needs further examination. Yeah. And I understand it from some level, you know? Like, I understand the the wanting to celebrate the wins because there's so much shit and awfulness. Um, you know, so much so that I did retool the, the tone of the videos uh, this year to get away from just how unrelentingly depressing it was um and i see why people would would hunger for a positive story even though i've not done the super depressing stuff and i've tried to do more interesting and thought-provoking content uh i do understand why people would want it um so yeah just i i am aware and i'm aware that this past week was after a really after a, like months and months of i think like top quality videos it was a bit of a cop-out topic this week and, and kind of disposable. And I fully understand that. I tried to make it fun still. I disagree. I think I think it was a timely thing that you had it, you had relevant things to say about. Yeah, and, and it was still a fun video, I think, yeah. that, that raised a, a point that hasn't been raised for a game that, admittedly, was already mostly forgotten about. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, just, just to add... Uh, before we go, yes, Baldur's Gate 3 done good. <laughs> uh, but who also has done good? It is Laura. Laura does what? good things. What, me? Yeah, why don't you me? tell us I've done good things. Well, you you can find the things what I've done at Laura K Buzz, pretty much everywhere on the internet that has social media handles. I've got that good unified branding. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Mastodon, Blue Sky, uh, Threads, wherever. Laura K Buzz. Um... This week I've got an episode of Accessibility going up about accessibility improvements we want to see uh, when the Switch successor rolls around, because there's been a lot of rumours that it's it's going to be basically the same form factor and coming next year. So now seems like a good time to go, hey, here's the things you should really fix if you want disabled people to be more able to play whatever the next Nintendo thing is. Uh, so that's going to be up on Friday. Um... You can vote for me in the Reader's Choice category for uh, 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 the Diverse Book Awards 2023 for me and my Dysphoria Monster. And uh, Stories of Autistic Joy comes out on October 19th. Conrad, where are you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram and Blue Sky. Um, and I want to tell people right now at Mercenary Creative, we are having a clearance on some old designs uh so you're gonna want to go over there quantities limited and we're not gonna have them again after this month so go check that out at mercenarycreative.com we also have tote bags now did i tell you this I, I don't know if you did i didn't know yeah that that's who i was asking yeah oh. i was asking yeah i guess i didn't tell you yeah we have tote bags now they look really good like they're black canvas, you know, cotton canvas tote bags, and with the gays logo on it is gorgeous. Uh, so you can check all that out at mercenarycreative.com. Um, and everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com/fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. And it's true. Um, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, you can check that out there. Uh, I stream at basically random points at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Uh, my next upcoming wrestling date is uh, August 26th in Leeds. Uh, that is the biggest match of my career. Uh, Commander Sterling versus Kid Bandit. Uh, there is going to be a little extra... Um, detail about that match that i am uh, going to be announcing myself soon uh that i'm just it's gonna be such a good fucking match it's gonna be incredible um to probably the two most well-known non-binary wrestlers on the planet uh facing off um at a venue that historically has brought one of the loudest most raucous most diverse crowds 
um, certainly that I've ever performed in front of. Uh, the noise they made for me versus Priscilla was 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 in, in intense. So me and Kid Bandit, we are gonna tear the fucking roof off. Um, I am that confident. I, I'm not always confident in my own wrestling ability, but. I am 100% confident that myself and Bandit, especially with how this match is, uh, with with the thing I've got, like the detail I've got coming, it is going to be immense. Fucking great. So that's August 26th, Leeds. That's True Grit Wrestling. Uh, you can get details um, if you look for at True Grit Wrestle on social media uh, or, or just look up True Grit Wrestling uh, for their... For an event that I wish wasn't called what it is, but it's called Last of the Summer Brawl. I don't know why it's called that. Brawl and wine do not sound the same, but that's why it's called. Okay, uh, right. That's that. Thank you so much, as always, for supporting on Patreon, uh, for um, perusing the wares on the Gymporium, for listening to this show. Uh, all your shares, all your support, all of that. Thank you. And uh, hopefully I won't be just streaming out of myself and wishing I was dead next week. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.